Hey everyone, this is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that is always and forever will have a healthy fear of twins my name is greg d i'm genius mickey and on today's episode we're staving off slumber as we book a room at the overlook hotel and talk mike flanagan's sequel to the shining dr sleep and you don't have to be practicing medicine to listen into our show. All you need to do is search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your shine hole. And if you're out shining on social media, please follow along our shine. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. How are you going to follow along with the shine nanigans? Sh- uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and if you're still listening after that shining pun there, uh, no, indeed on Facebook, we do have an events tab where we have all sorts of spooky shenanigans and horrific happenings going on. And as this episode releases on November 15th, the very next night, and this is one that we haven't really talked about a lot, which I'm surprised because yeah. this would have fit nicely in with the Claudio Simonetti's Goblin, mm-hmm. which we had a chance to see and go back and listen to our Halloween Hangover episode. But on November 16th, I'm excited because this is going to be a chance for me, number one, to see this film on the big screen, which I never have, and to see then Fabio Fritzi himself scoring live one of the ultimate batshit Italian horror films, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. Dude, that's going to be rad, man. I am beyond excited for this one. From beyond excited. Yes. Now, if if any, if Claudio Sandomini was any, like, snippet of what this is going to be, it's going to be crazy. Because, one, the beyond is batshit. It is so (laughs) batshit. I that's probably one of my favorite Italian horror movies. Just like the creepy handyman in the abandoned basement, the, yes. the the water, the acid melting, the eye trauma, the zombie killer everything. canines. Yeah, this movie is hard to follow, but well worth it. And then when then having Fabio Fritzi play and perform right? the entire score in front of you, which I am beyond it because that is a. It's like, and then I have a feeling, much like with uh, Claudio Simonetti, how he did, where they played like half an hour's worth of material. Mm -hmm. I believe he does the same thing as well. So we could, you know, be possibly hearing, uh, you know, he is going to eat you with Mm -hmm. zombie. Uh, We're going to hear House by the Cemetery. Yeah, I cannot wait for that. So on at Screenland Armor on uh, November sixteenth, Fabio Fritzi with the Beyond. Make sure you are checking that out. But save your energy because speaking of international horror, uh, following uh, on the next Terror Tuesday, which will be the 17th, that'll be uh, October 19th. This is one that I can't even say I've seen that. This is one of those I had to look to make sure I've even heard of it, which is the best part of Terror Tuesday because I've been exposed to so, some several wonderful horror films. Mm-hmm. But uh, 1961's Curse of the Werewolf. The Hammer one? I believe I don't know if it's Hammer. I know it's a Spanish film. Oh, okay. Uh, so I don't know what is Spanish for Hammer. Uh, El Hammer. 
El Hamador. El Hamador. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I can't think of the spot. <laughs> but no, it's one of those that I, again I wasn't familiar with. But based on the reaction from everyone that I've heard, like our friend Oren Gray was super mm-hmm. excited for this one, mm-hmm. and he knows good classy horror. Yeah. Uh, but I've heard it is a little melancholy and sad. So you know what? That's good in the month of November. We need that to be truly thankful for thankful. everything. So, uh-huh. and we are thankful for Terror Tuesday. So again, uh, on November nineteenth curse of the werewolf then what is becoming now a yearly tradition this is actually going to be the third year we've done this uh save the date november 29th black friday yep screenland tapcade kansas city horror club chopping mall because what better way to celebrate black the blackest of fridays (laughs) than with chopping mall all about like getting caught in a mall and while killer robots fuck you up one of the best head spurts of all time indeed bring your bubble gum and we'll provide the bubble gum for you, <laughs> as always. And enjoy the mattress sale. And we, we even get the Crampton crimp in this one. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's uh, Kelly Moroni. You get the guy that's chomping gum. This is what I think. That, and we've, we've done a commentary for it, of oh, course, yeah. Oh, yeah. which maybe I'll break it out. <laughs> Why not? Be indulgent again. A little quality Don't control. dream it. But no, that is always a good time. And with, then save your eth- energy. Ethnic looking robots. Oh, yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm glad that I got a little Mary Warnov in October with Warlock, and I'm glad I'm getting her again, even yeah. if it's a little snippet. Right. Because a little Warnoff goes a long, a long way. way. Yeah, it does. Yeah, well, it save does. your energy, because then on December 1st, Kansas City Horror Club again. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't wait for this one. We are having Merry Xmas, the scary Christmas bizarre bazaar. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> uh, all local vendors. Uh, it's going to be at the Michael Myers event space right next to Tapcade. Fantastic. Where you can shop six times. <laughs> There's going to be food and drink specials at Tapcade to coincide with Merry Axmas. Um, like I said, over, there's going to be over 25 vendors. Excellent. We're going to have a photo area where you can take your pictures of the Krampus. Ooh, Krampus is going to be Krampus will be in attendance. Time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a blast. Free to get in, uh, come in and buy some stuff. I was going to say, this is a chance to take care of all of your horror friends out there. Mm-hmm. The, you know, all the, the kids that love the genre stuff. There's so many good, unique wares out there. So, obviously, a lot of stuff coming up in November and December. Yeah. Make sure you're following along. Kansas City Horror Club on Facebook, obviously. But always check out our events tab to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, what was on the events tab was an event that we had a chance to uh, take in. And in the month of October, we had we did at least three marathons of three films or more. Right. So when we have a chance to just sit in on a double feature, it feels like we're almost like just be freeloading, you know? Right, right. Like, uh, it is here. But we had a chance to sit in and watch uh, a great double feature of The Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> Minus, of course, the bad Arnold puns. But... I and this is why I wanted to talk a little bit about it because if you go back to the Halloween Hangover episode, uh, w- through one thing or another, I happened to see the original wonderful 1978, the one, the only, the classic Halloween, three times, not six times, saw three times, three times in the theater. Which don't get me wrong, every time was kind of unique, right? But it was within a pretty small span of time as well. Yeah, like three days. But the reason I mention this, and it was because with the when seeing the Terminator for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was reminded, number one, how much of a pseudo-slasher it is. Yes, it is. To the point where there's a scene where I looked over at you because, like... Uh, Terminator exoskeleton rises up just like Much like like Michael Myers, yes. There were several points in the film, and it was just... It was all clicking nicely. I'm just... Mm -hmm. Because I was in the Halloween groove, so every little bit where the Terminator hit a slasher trope, it just sweetened the spot so much that I just think this is my favorite of the Terminator franchise because it is a true horror film disguised as a sci-fi 
thinking man's film. Right. You know, all to the point where we mentioned uh, what I love the fact is that, you know, Arnold Schwar or a Terminator, I should say, kills a character actor, Dick Miller, in the first film, mm -hmm. and then character actor Xander Berkeley in the second. <laughs> but the fact that in the first film, he kills all your favorite character actors. Right. He kills Dick Miller, Bill, uh, Paxton, Bill Paxton, Brian Thompson, right? just, Lance Henriksen, just Paul pop, Winfield. Pop, 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 off the bat, you're like, no, not wait, ha wait. the Happy Hendrickson. He was laughing. He was like, I'm going to go retire and join a biker gang. He was always in the midst of like telling a story. Tell me about the time I got the scar. <laughs> right? But, not now. But I haven't seen it on the... I've never seen it on the big me screen. Me neither. It was dope. Which was amazing. But there was a point in the film during the initial the police siege... And it's that one great shot of Arnold walking down the hallway with the fire in the background. And you can hear people dying in the background. He's like killed like 30 cops in the building. But it's this tracking shot where he's got he's like double fisting. And it's just something straight out of like Halloween the shape. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if it's the the beauty of everything, but I, I rolled it here. And I was just so happy to see that on the big screen. Uh, Brad Fidel's score still so punishing and wonderful and the fact that uh sarah connor goes from your typical final girl where you get then in the second film and also again full frontal arnold in terminator if you forget ladies and gentlemen he thunder guns it he does thunder gun it and that's what you got in 1984 right um but one thing that i thought I, it just struck my attention was sarah's theme Oh. When we first get introduced, because like riding her little scooter, right, right. I, I it's just my memory sparked right to the what's the score and when we were talking like, about yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, she's just so like, <laughs> it just lovely and demure and just innocent and like she had a know, rough day at work. Right, you know, we all do that. Just kind of normal, and then next thing you know, dun, dun 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 dun. You know, the fact that the Terminator theme plays almost like Jaws's theme mm -hmm. as he's hunting her throughout, and I think also this is the benefit of seeing it on the big screen. I think you and I both reacted the fr okay also one of the other times that one of my favorite shots in that film is when arnold comes jumping out of the fire jumps up on the hood of the car and there's that slow-mo shot of him punching through right like matthias yes oh much very much like matthias but then um linda hamilton's reaction is much like laurie strode in the closet when she's mm -hmm. doing like everything she do can get away but it's after that we notice for the first time eyebrowless arnold it's so off-putting it's so weird i don't know how i've missed it all these years and i think it might have been an uncanny valley or trauma mm -hmm. i just kept it in the back of my head i boxed it up if you will which we'll get to <laughs> but it i think we both were like, like oh is... that's fucked up like <laughs> jesus arnold you know because first of all he's terrifying because he's this big and, giant monster and in 1984 arnold schwarzenegger just a mountain he is scary in this film and if you piss him off because you laugh at him he'll snap your neck like he does that poor lady in the one streets of san francisco episode Episode. Oh yeah, that's right. Stop laughing at me! Snap. Right? Great, great pre-show in front of this, which was <laughs> wonderful. Although, Alamo, you're 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 failing me. I need a little pumping iron. It's like I'm I, coming exactly coming in the gym, coming all over the place. <laughs> I, I always say this: it's a guarantee. If you ever come to any of our screenings at a, at a Screenland, and it's an Arnold film, you'll be coming all over the place at least three or four times, <laughs> guaranteed. I'm sorry, but that thing is the Simpsons rate gag of Arnold coming <laughs> jokes. It just never. It Yo! just, <laughs> But also the fact that this the ending of this film contains one of my favorite, just the, the lasting shot of the storms coming in, the crowd, and also the tragedy of the fact that uh, Kyle Reese's character is the fact he's like, you know, I came back in time for you, Sarah, but I was always wondering what you were thinking when that picture is taken. Mm -hmm. 
and what she was thinking of was him that one night they had together yeah. yeah oh my god that broke my heart i was like are you kidding and then it, that like that has no place in this little low budget horror film and then watch out the storm's coming and here comes this just this big evil death storm coming. and had the <laughs> fucking right had the film ended there had we got no more terminators this would probably be a film we'd be looking back going, oh, this is like the most amazing little low-budget sci-fi horror film that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people talked about it. And unlike now, well, actually, no, I should say it only took us seven years for this sequel. It took us uh, 30, uh, 39 for the one we're going to eventually get to here. But a lot happened between 1984 and 1991. Mm-hmm. Between Terminator and then Terminator Judgment Day, the biggest thing that we don't get. No dong. No, no full frontal Arnold. <laughs> back in 84, he'd do that. In 91... I'm not coming. I'm not, not at all. <laughs> but also, this beca- this becomes the family-friendly Terminator. Yeah. You know, with the first one, it's a great sci-fi horror film. The sequel is one of the greatest sci-fi action films of all time. Mm-hmm. But it's a film that I I think I've gone from loving to liking. Yeah. And maybe even appreciating more than anything. Really? Yeah. Really? And I think it's because of the contrast be- between the efficiency of the first film mm-hmm. and how... And I, I don't, and I don't think be, it's a hard R film. Yeah, but I think it's also this is the when Arnold has become truly a movie star, and he's not going to be the killer in this film. He's going to be the hero, and I do think it changes the dynamic a little bit for me. Oh, absolutely, because he's scary as a monster, <laughs> and in this one, he becomes the one that you could he could become Carl down the line mm-hmm, potentially. The protector. Yeah, um, but also obviously the transformation of Sarah Connor, Lyndall Hamilton, like figuratively and literally. Going just buff, yeah, which is a great like contrast to the softness and fragility of her. In it, the, exactly this whole weekend, you just saw the evolution of Sarah Connor. We did, and we'll and we'll talk a little bit because we talked uh, Dark Fate, but also the fact that the first time when she's exposed to violence in that Tech Noir scene, when oh, Arnold pulls up, deer in headlights. Yeah, she doesn't know what to do. And the part two though. She's like a chess master now. She's thinking many steps ahead. She's got a background. She's wanted at this mm-hmm. point. And it's kind of a fascinating journey. Um, but also the set pieces in Terminator 2 are in freaking credible. Oh, man. I forgot. Okay. Cut. One of my favorite scenes was the helicopter scene. Oh, my God. Oh, and. They one, can see the, it on the big screen. Well, you notice something else. He's got like three or four hands controlling so the, the, the machine. The T-1000, when he's flying the helicopter and shooting, you look. He has multiple hands. Yeah. By shooting guns and firing the plane it makes sense it totally makes sense and robert patrick as the t-1000 he's still now as scary as arnold was he's not as scary in him in the first one but he's still very menacing mm-hmm. like there is a presence to him and the looks cgi mean. still holds up yeah robert patrick looked like the mean stepdad he did yeah you he's, know like, he's the one you don't want to like overflow the toilet in the middle of the night when you're mm-hmm. staying over at their house you're just like oh god i think i woke the t-1000 up have, have you, you seen, seen this, this kid boy? yes <laughs> but we get the, the the great little and Edward Furlong. I actually don't mind him in the film for the most part. But that's the thing; they're two totally different films. Um, so seeing them back to back like that made me appreciate the first one a little bit more. I think. Yeah, me too, actually. But I still really enjoy that second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a roundabout way of saying we actually saw the latest one, mm-hmm. which I want to talk about a little bit. Um, ultimately, only because it really mirrors. A uh, film that we talked about last year, Star Wars, and Halloween 2018. Yeah, where they ignore some of the previous films and they just go from one of the set films. So you know, this new Terminator is ignoring everything past Part Two. So it's kind of nice to see the first two and then actually see this thir- this not third one, but 
It was extremely nice, and I I enjoyed this retcon. I and I, and maybe it's another episode altogether, but I actually really enjoyed Terminator Dark Fate. I was really pleasantly. I went in with low Me expectations. Too. Me too, because I've been burnt so like, <laughs> a few times. <laughs> um, I will say this though. The the evolution of the Sarah Connor character. Number one, it was great to see Linda Hamilton back on the big screen. Number two, I was shocked at how much I liked Arnold Schwarzenegger in this one. Yeah, especially with the character and no spoilers, but it's it's not what you expect. Well, literally everybody from the old one has evolved. Yes, it's the fact that I'm not gonna lie, I thought I saw a little bit of Joe Bob in Arnold. That's we'll 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 get to that eventually, but. I mentioned that because we were seeing I'm funny. a sequel to like a 30-year-old franchise mm-hmm. here in 2019. Back in 1984, they would James Cameron would have never given thought to this still existing no. and still putting his name on it, and he did. But here we are in the year 2019, and we're gonna our main th- review today is of course talking Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep. But this is a sequel, which I think a lot of people don't realize that this is a sequel. To the 1980 Stanley Kubrick masterpiece, The mm-hmm. Shinnin. I mean, even in the trailers, you know, they just have hints of it. They never, say, they never explicitly say "Shining 2, The Shininger." It's, you know, it's yeah, it's uh, you. Could you do "Shining Boogaloo"? Yeah, potentially. Electric Shining, the, you know, their first Shining. There we go. The, the first Shining, Shining Two, Second Class. The, the day after, there I'm trying go. to think of every possible <laughs> Shining sequel. Mm-hmm. I didn't think the I revenge. needed it. The Reve- Shining, the Reve- oh. well, technically, kind of, yeah, it really does. Mm-hmm. Now, we are going to do uh, a non-spoilery review here because this is still fresh, and then we will eventually talk spoilers and we'll give plenty of warning on this. But I think ultimately, let's initially talk our experience with, you know, the fact the original source material. Mm-hmm. And here's an, a spoilerly thing here. In a few months, I can guarantee we'll be going into this film a little bit more. Oh, yeah. We're going to be delving deep into The Shining. Because we're, we're staying at the Overlook. We are going to. Yeah, we've got We're putting our reservations in for March, as it turns out. But not two, three, seven, two, not two, at all. seven. Not at all. I'm telling you, it's coming up. Mary. You know, there's, there's going to be an over-under of Mary tonight. <laughs> And in March, um, I and I think this is The Shining is one of those films that even the normies oh, know yeah. of. Oh yeah, everyone knows The Shining, and if you if you've never seen The Shining, you still know The Shining. Everyone has. I've seen that mm-hmm. with The Shining. Yeah, because the it's, iconic blood coming out of the thing, or the "Come play with us, Danny." Here's or, Johnny. Exactly the red rum. You know, <laughs> even in UHF. There's a red rum reference in there. So like yeah. it seeped into popular culture, popular consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those classy ones that you probably could have won Academy Awards that you kinda they put up, well, is it horror or is it psychological thriller? It was elevated horror back yeah. in the day. Yeah, there we go. Classy. Well, and it's also a film that's fa- very famously kind of the antithesis of the book, just in mm-hmm. terms of scope. And this is the one that Stephen King even said he doesn't really like Stanley Kubrick's adaptation. Maybe actually that's the uh the the source and the inspiration for uh, I'm going to scare the hell out of you. Stanley Kubrick tried to make my work and I just didn't like it. This movie called me an asshole. Imagine Stanley Kubrick's maximum overdrive. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, my droogs. Run, 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 run. The trucks are doing like a hundred takes. They're just like, seriously, honk, 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 honk. It's, it's not the 
Green Goblin mask. It's an orgy mask on top of the truck. <laughs> that would work. That would totally work. I would actually pay to see that. But no, ultimately, The Shining, like I said, it's a classic. Um, it's a very minimal film, though. Yeah. I mean, we're talking yeah. minimal set location, minimal cast. It's cold. Very. This is a film you need to see with snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a film much like The Thing that I, I can't see outside of Halloween or the cold time. It's yeah. just it's a particular time and place for the most part. Um, have you ever did you ever read the book? Uh, no. Okay. Did I you ever see the miniseries? I did. What I did, did you think with of Tim Daly? Uh, uh, Tim n- Daly. No, Je- uh, it was the other guy from Wings. Um, oh my God, Stephen Weber. That's right. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the miniseries. Uh, like I thought it was cool. I thought the Hedgemage monsters were neat. And so they like, incorporated more of the book then. Oh yeah, it was more of a faithful because it wasn't an axe. It was a croquet mallet. And Interesting. Like, like in the so yeah, it was neat. It okay. Was a, it was a it was an interesting take. I don't know if I could say I enjoyed it more than the sure. Kubrick one, but I enjoyed what I saw. And I know it's blasphemy to even suggest that Kubrick is just you know not an you know a genius. Or, of course, he's you know master filmmaker. It's a film I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. The inside, like knowing what he put um, Shelley Duvall through. Over. Yeah. Oh my God. Are you kidding? Like, and I understand art requires sex, blah, but. People are still human beings, man. Yeah, like we, I know you want people to suffer for your art, but you suffer for your you art, suffer. not other people suffer for your art. Indeed, indeed. So I was always curious when I heard then that Stephen King was writing a sequel to The Shining called Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. I'm, you know, obviously it's going to then be a direct sequel from his source material. So I knew it had nothing to do with Jack, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson, you know, all of them. Well, here we are, 2019. We get Mike Flanagan, who is. Kind of like this generation's Mick Garris, because Mick Garris always used to handle the Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. It really seems Mike Flanagan has kind of taken over that now. Now, I don't know if he actually has the fine-ass <laughs> nice hair cloth. yeah, that uh, Mick Garris has and possesses, but at this point, he's been playing in the King sandbox, and I think he's been doing a pretty good job he's with it. He's been doing a great job with it, because uh, I'll be honest, the first couple of movies I saw of Mike Flanagan's, I did not care for. You can I, even go back to our Hush episode. Mm-hmm. We actually did an episode with that. I didn't like that movie. I'm willing to give it a second chance. I saw Oculus in the theater. I didn't. I was like, eh, it was alright, but... Well, that was the one that was based on the initial short story, right, and mm-hmm. then expanded into a feature. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I've seen everything he did, but when Gerald's Game came out, I loved Gerald's Game. But I'm noticing themes in his movies now, a la Gerald's Game. And we'll get into the, that on spoilers, uh, because, yeah, there's definitely some trauma going. Well, th- there's a lot of dealing with there's trauma. There's a lot of dealing with trauma. There's and, a lot of, and, and again, in, in Stephen King, it's all about the sins of the past coming back to bite you in the ass. Well, and we were talking um, with, a, who was the gentleman's name before the, the movie? We're going to, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, Jim. Jim, okay. We are talking to him, and we are kind of talking like the issue with a lot of Stephen King adaptations is... His work, I don't know if it does need to be adapted into feature films Mm because they're just so different mediums. Yeah, like he was saying, King's more show than tell. Yes, he works on the page, you know, because he does get to go in depth into the psyches of the characters and film being a visual medium Mm -hmm. plays differently. That's why back in the day, there seemed to be more like misses than hits when it came to a lot of Stephen King stuff. Well, also people, I mean, Stephen King and we were, they did the pre-show at the Alamo beforehand. It is, you know, just a, a love letter to Stephen King. And that's the thing. You forget how prodigious that man is, Oh yeah, how much he has contributed to the world of horror. And the fact that he's still such a vocal supporter of horror. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, he's that, that sh- he is our nightlight, if you will. Cause I think it was him that said the worst horror movie I've ever seen was the still best, the best one. Yes. Yeah. 
that's the kind of positivity we yeah. need in this day and age. <laughs> From and, the master of horror. Well, and also he's the, and you know what really scares us is mortality, mm-hmm. our own death and demise. The fact that we don't know what is beyond that. And that is scarier than any vampire, than any killer, you know, laundry press that, you know, he can create. <laughs> Cat people. Oh my God, regardless. But that's what I really liked with this film and why I went in technically with admittedly low expectations. Yeah. I haven't read Dr. Sleep. Nope. I've seen a few of the trailers, um, and it's, again, you know, even in the trailers, they're a little ambiguous, but man, from the get-go, this is a sequel to The Shining. Yeah, it's... This is, like, just like... Do you think, and they're mentioning the fact that a lot of people, and I hate this word, they're saying the movie bombed because it didn't perform as well over the weekend. It's only the first weekend. You cut some slack. I know. I mean, like, and, and really, I mean, yeah, you want to support the movie and make sure they... I mean, you want them to make money, of, but you want, you them, want to them to be more. successful so they can make more movies mm-hmm. that you like. But at the same time, to come out the gate, this movie bomb, give it a chance. Give it a give it a couple of days to see how it does. I'll give it 10 years. You know, that's the true marker. Right. I mean, like, look at all the movies that bombed back in the day yeah. and that we are championing, especially on this show, that we're championing it on regular conversations. And I'm pretty sure The Shining was critically praised, but I don't think it did well all that all that well financially. Not until later. But you know? yeah, it finds like it, it will find a way. Now, a month from now or 3 weeks from now if they say okay, it bombed, okay, maybe it did. But at the same time, don't come out the gate and say, "Why it's a flop." Like it's cold outside. Maybe people can't see it, you know, wait till payday, you know? So like hold Well, on. and it's also ultimately it comes down to marketing. You know, again, how many people when they and a lot of people, it's it's hard for us to imagine because we're so invested and seeped into the horror world, the genre world, where our theatrical experience it is very much a church going experience. Mm-hmm. The normies out there, there are so many people that will go up to a theater not having any idea of what's playing, and they're going to go through almost like a menu, and it's like Doctor Sleep. I'm not, I, I like a good medical drama. Why not? Or right. why haven't I heard of that? It's it's hard to again. It sounds like ASMR. Potentially, you know, it sounds like I am Doctor Sleep, and I'm going to help you sleep. Tingles. Tingles. <laughs> ew, ew! I didn't pay. I got to pay extra for that. That'll be on the eventual <laughs> Patreon there. But bottom line, Genius McGee, what do uh, you think with Doctor Sleep? I dug it. I dug it way more than I expected to dig it. Because like you, I'm going in. I know that it's a sequel to The Shining, okay? And I know that it's based on the book by Stephen King. So I'm like, okay, cool. They've been doing pretty good by King's these recent years. So I'm like, all right, cool. But to you already have a lot of like negatives against you there's a lot of baggage yeah one you're coming going up uh, becoming a sequel to one of the greatest horror movies of all time in mm-hmm. a lot of people's opinions uh you're using the material of someone who hated the greatest one of the greatest <laughs> horror movies of all time in a lot of people's opinions um you know and you're still i mean while you've made some hits but if you say hey it's mike flanagan normies ain't gonna say oh no. who the fuck is mike flanagan you know it's not like you're saying Kubrick. Although I will say through Netflix, I saw, I heard more people talking the Haunting of Hill House, the yeah. Netflix series that he did. Then Gerald's of, Game and yeah, all the other so, stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I think he's, it's eventually, you could say the guy that did the Haunting on Hill House now. Yeah. You yeah, know, potentially. Mm-hmm. That you could kind of maybe stab into that vein, if you will. And so then even then, the people, because I have not yet seen that show. I, I know, I've seen that. Yeah, me too. I, I've seen it, Yeah. Uh, it's about Chris Kattan, right? <laughs> no, so <laughs> and Liam Neeson. No, so you already have all these detriments against it. But so I was going in with like lowered expectations because I mean you got the shining, you know. All right, 
So when I went in, I'm like, okay, cool, Dr. Sleep, you know, let's see what it is. And I was like, I walked out of there going, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. I don't know if it was because of the lowered expectations or just they put on a good show. I think they really did put on a good show, um, top to bottom. Ultimately, let's start with talk about the cast, because if you aren't, you know, and that's, a, I was actually surprisingly caring with a lot of the characters yeah. here. So from the start, Ian McGregor da- playing Danny Torrance mm-hmm. as an adult and we jo- this is not a spoiler. It's in the very beginning of the film, but the, for a second there, I was like, "Oh, that old Ian McGregor. He's always you know flashing a little bit of his naughty hang, bits." Hang dong. We're gonna see some of Obi Wan's lightsaber. And there was a bit where I was like, eh, "Oh, okay, there we go. Thank you, Mr. Flanagan." That kept us. But ultimately, keep it classy, Mike. <laughs> he did. He did. He did. And I loved him in it. I thought he was great. Yeah, actually, he. Uh, at first, I kind of despised his character when he when he was well, yeah, because he was still going. He was he, still going through. He still needed to be fixed. But I was on that journey with him. He killed it. He did it good. All the pathos yeah. that he brought, all the energy, and I was like, okay, I can see because yeah, even in his eyes, you could see all that pain and trauma. It was he did it very well. And it's I'm glad they brought in some some of these A plus actors here. Uh, not Carla Gugino, who I thought it was, but Rose the Hat as played by Rebecca Ferguson. Ooh wee! Not to get a creeps of nostalgia here. She's beautiful and scary. Plays just that menace, mm-hmm. that real subtle menace to her. But she does had. I think we mentioned it was like a Fleetwood Mac kind yeah, of like witchery thing to yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. She's like that one beautiful scary girl that you know that's like really into Fleetwood Mac. And you're like, you're a little bit dangerous, and you might be actual witch or a vampire, but I'm willing to roll the dice. Deal breaker? Not a deal breaker. Because, like, yeah, she was dangerous and beautiful. Like, you didn't want to be her prey, but at the same time, if I was her prey, I'd be like, okay, I'm cool. Sure. You know, sure, why not? So, to go ahead, steam away. Well, and then she's got... She's shit. She's got her little crew with her, and this is not obviously not a spoiler itself. But they are seeking out the shinings, the shiners, if you will. Uh, speaking of the shiners, the shiners, they roll around in little cars and have the hats. Where I'm from, we call that shining. Honk honk. Would you like to donate? Would you like to go to the circus, the shining rodeo? Playing the, the the one that shines the brightest, uh, newcomer, she plays Abra, Kylie Curran. She was she, a revelation. I she, was, she was she was amazingly good. Every, she stole the entire movie. Every time that she was in the same scene with Ewan McGregor, I was focused on Were her. Were you shining to her? I was shining to her. She was great. The, and she brought so much character. She brought a lot of energy, youthful like not an optimism but not a naivety either but just go she, get him at it yeah Jet hasn't spunk and moxie hasn't been exposed to enough of the trauma out there that her gift is an exciting thing she embraces it and from the get-go it's really yeah, cool it's a, really cool they used in the metaphor she wasn't like willing to cover up her shine yeah no she, she wanted let it dim she wanted to be it to be as bright as, bright as possible, possible. Uh, another man you want to talk about uncanny casting at the very beginning of the film it's set still in 1980 and podcast favorite she's in the very first episode we praised her performance to mm-hmm. the stars uh but alex esso just channeling just nailing, channeling nailing shelly deville shelly duvall it's incredible playing wendy torrance in this one the physicality yeah the mannerisms the delivery 
It was un- it was incredible. Even when they recreated the scene later on in the movie in from The Shining. Oh yeah, when she was in the when he was going through with the, the axe. And I, I couldn't tell for a second. Was I a thought I was like, is that Wendy? Is that Shelley Duvall? You know, she was so good. And I was, I was, I was like, hey, hey, that's, and this film is actually filled with a lot of those people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bruce Greenwood from Gerald's Game in this one as well. Did you notice in that scene? Uh, wait, that might be. No, that's not necessarily a spoiler. That's more of an homage. Did you notice in the scene when he was was talking and he was was the exact same no, As the initial interview, it was the same color pattern. It was the same was it? office. Okay, so I wonder if the, the the shining had a little effect going on with that. Going back, uh, Carl Lumbly played old Dick Halloran, mm-hmm. doing a really spot on. Did a great job, actually. And mm-hmm. again, the mannerisms, the physicality. Normally, something like that might take me out of it, but no. for, I, I I flowed it, with it. I thought it worked really well. It worked really well because we it, easily everything could have turned into uncanny valley. Yes, well and. Nowadays, that's what they do. Uh, go back to what they did with Tarkin uh, when they yeah. brought back, um, you know, C- Peter Cushing. Uh, th- what they're going to try to do with James Dean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a full fucking movie with him is like uh, no, it's, it, too it's weird. It is weird. It's a little unsettling for me. So when when you do get that, I I, I can appreciate that. Uh, Cliff Curtis, who. Another guy been in fucking everything. He's been in everything, and I'm happy to see him in more things as another great actor. This is just littered top to bottom. Uh, Jocelyn Donahue is in this friggin' movie from House of the Devil. So Henry friggin' Thomas shows up in this. It's again Elliot phone home top I mean, to bottom. I thought it thought it just was wonderful. Now the look of it also, and with some of those shots in there specifically. They nailed the look yeah. from the 1980s. And this was uh, Michael Fim, Fimon, Fimon, Fim... Man, I'm getting old. Fimognari. I apologize. I probably totally butchered that. But I thought it, the, the look of the film added a lot to it as well. The color palette. And then finally, no, trying not to get into spoilers. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it eventually. It's not a cold movie like The Shining. It's a very warm Actually, and dirty movie. Yes. But then it gets cold. Yes. Then it gets really cold. And some of the effects that happened, um, like the flying effects, I thought was wonderful and weird. It, it, and when the film, it's, it, we're kind of, well, we'll eventually get into spoilers. Yeah, uh, we're, what, trying, we're trying to tiptoe around the spoilers. Technically, we're 33 minutes into an episode. Um, let me ask you this. Was it scary? Is it a horror movie? It's a horror movie, but it wasn't scary. Yeah. There was some dread, but yeah. it was almost played more of an action revenge. If The Shining had an action revenge sequel, kind of like what The Terminator did, what mm-hmm. Aliens did, you know, this would be it. This is significantly more action than uh, The Shining. Significantly more, well, not as much dread, but there was a lot. Of, it was like chase and capers. Yeah. It was... But it worked. Kind of a weird road film. Yeah, it worked. It, it, I, I, I thought this would be an excellent companion piece to The Shining. Oh no, this is one I think would play interestingly back to back. Now, granted, you got to you know, take yourself a little bit of time there because uh, a long fucking movie. This is the year of 2019, the year of the long movie. Um, I would also. De- it's definitely a horror film. I, dreadful. There were. I was. Don't go in trying to look, oh, I'm going to be scared. There you know? are some, not jump scares, but kind of the loud scares in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, due Tension to the breakers. Score. Yes, which, eh, you know, it's uh, uh, the Newton brothers put together the score on that one. And when you're going up against Wendy Carlos's original, which still, it haunts the score as itself. Yeah. <laughs> but I let's go ahead. 
from here on out, make sure you've seen the film because we're going to go ahead and start talking spoilers because I think some of the themes in the movie, Mm -hmm. you have to talk some of the spoilery things going on in there. So from here on out, go see it. If you recommend it, it's recommended. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Go make your own opinion. um, But seriously, you can have a worse night. Yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna start writing some subscriptions for some spoilers here. Get your shine on, indeed. There are there's some heady stuff going on in this film. There is a lot to unprocess in this movie. I think this film really affected me in a number of ways, and this is a film I need to watch. And at this point, I probably need to read the book as well. Dude, I almost cried in one of the scenes. I was affected several points. What what do you remember which one it was that got you? Oh yeah, okay. It was when he first becomes Doctor Sleep with the cat and the old man. Oh, I almost my my eyes were starting to water, and then later on when he does it again, I was like, oh. "So this movie is all about mortality. It is all about what we do while we are here. There's the fear of death, of what is beyond, about what we will do to stave off that you know that eventuality. But there's also that moment of peace, yeah, of embracing of the fact that they say even in the film, there it, is more. There's more. It's not over. Which. And again, that is something that, you know, we create uh, mythology, we create religion, we create all these things to salvage these wounds that are uncertainty. You know, what is beyond? Well, with religion, it tells us if you do good on earth, you will go to heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with, you know, Buddhism, if you continue to do good, eventually your reincarnation, you will breach nirvana. You know, there's all these things about, you know, what we do while we're here, you know, and there's that bit where the guy was like, I'm not worried about hell. Because I've lived a pretty good life. Right. I'm just worried about there's being nothing. nothing. And I'm scared. And he goes, I know it's coming. It's been coming for a long time. And I'm ready, but I'm not. And he and, and I can understand. Of course. You know, because no matter how much, how b- badass we think we are, how ready, when the death comes knocking on our door, who knows how we will respond. No, no, I know. If it's anything like Michael Myers in a tent, I'm going to leave your ass behind, my friend. Right. But the fact that he's there and he calms them in his yeah. gift, and his ultimately, cat. yeah, oh, the cat, which, yeah, now. I know. That was like. Now, now actually, are you afraid every time Owen and them come up, they're no. like, <laughs> soon old man, I soon old man. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but no, I, I, this was, that scene just, it, it well, got me. That was also nice to, for his shining to have a purpose. And yeah. It gave him purpose. Yeah. And it really, to help him, like, there's that line, it's like, are you okay around, you know, old, you know, dying people? It's like, no, it's fine. What does he say? Like, the world is basically a hospice with, like, open with air. fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh. Well, that's yeah. kind of dark, but I can see where you're saying. Well, you it's know? just the inevitability of everything. And he's finally, and I think that gave him a purpose, because he mm-hmm. could use his gift, because until then, he would, he hid his gift under the guise of alcoholism. It was and the only thing that he like you said it was the only thing that shut all the voices up. Yeah, that that dubbed the shining. So another thing all th- all throughout this film is addiction. Mm-hmm. The spectra, I mean the shining itself in the original film and the circular effect of it. It's constant. Yeah. And there's that moment in the film when he's 8 years sober, he's at his AA meeting and he has that bit where he's talking about how he channeled that was how he channeled his dad was being drunk because that's what he always knew with, mm-hmm. with Jack Torrance and that was actually kind of surreal to hear those names out loud in 2019 on a big screen right just in a realistic way yes you very know? much because so. he's not like my dad went and tried to kill me and chopped me yeah. up you know but he's like no it's, my dad wanted to be here he tried to quit and he failed but also, uh, also, it was the hotel that was right, doing evil shit to right, him, so I yeah. think he gave him a little bit of credit. Which comes back to that revenge yeah, bit. But he gave him some credit, because this is for my dad, who tried wanted. so hard to be where I'm at right now, and here I am, you know? And so that was like a forgiveness, 
Because even though like he's trying to go and kill him with a fucking axe in the middle of a snowstorm, he goes, at least he tried. Well, you, I mean, there's the figurative demons, the literal demons, the ones that manifest themselves, the ones that no matter how far you box them up, Mm-hmm. They're still there. Mm-hmm. You haven't truly dealt with them. And that's another thing that I found interesting is the fact that all these demons kept haunting young Danny, yeah. even though they got away from the hotel. That's what kind of the foundation of this film is the road trip. It's the demons that chase you no matter where you go. They're going to keep going because there was a line where uh, the friend says, are you running away? And he goes, I'm trying to run away from myself. And mm-hmm. he goes, that's a hard thing to do because wherever you go, there you are. That was kind of like, bonsai. right, right. And so I was like, Okay, and that's a you're a hundred percent right. You yeah. can't run from your demons forever because they will come because they're with you. You are your demons. Yeah, it's and so you've got in the, again the specter of the alcoholism that is hanging over him. The fact that we open up with Danny and like you said, he's in a he's in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Like he's in a bar fight. That scene actually when he wakes up the next day, the girl is puked next to him. He's like getting ready. The fact that uh, you know Scatman comes back as his what conscious. What you doing? His Jiminy Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket and is- he, at least leave him some money. And so, like, I didn't realize that like she probably died in her own vomit, and he left the baby With the there. Baby there. That's why that ghost that ghost came back to is like you yep. killed us. Oh. You killed us. You left us to die. And so. That's fucked up. And again, there's your hero, ladies and gentlemen. Right. So, the, you know, he has a journey to go through, which he truly does. Because he did suffer some horrendous ass trauma. Oh, well, and as a five year old. Right. Oh my God. And like he and you saw it like he stopped talking as soon yeah. as they left the overlook. He didn't say anything. And it wasn't until that he has that conversation with Ed and he's like, no, here's this special box. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a box like that in your mind that you're going to put these things and it's that old lady in the bathtub that is throughout this film. Yeah. She's the one that's always in there's that great shot when he yeah. walks in and he just opens the door, closes it, hear a little bit of a commotion and he just walks out and he's like, hi mom. And <laughs> I'm fine now. And you're like, oh, interesting. Yeah. But also is that a good thing? Again, ignoring it like you dealt with it initially but you still haven't fully dealt with it because it's still lingering there and whether again whether that's just a good metaphor or literal i think it plays well but it helped him go on it did well eventually though i mean it's going to come back yeah because if you box up all those demons they're still there and they're going to manifest in in, you know escape one way or the other uh uh trauma is another thing and that's you know what we get and again how are you dealing Hand draw. Oh my god. Okay. Mike Flanagan loves some beating up. So some like hands. Fulci has the eye thing. I and think Tarantino he, has the foot thing. We've come full circle now. We're gonna Frankenhooker. Eye, hands and feet. <laughs> Verhoeven has asses. So. Oh my god. But this is the second one where we get some severe hand trauma going on. Maybe that's just King, or maybe it's just Flanagan. Just like, oh, this is my favorite kind of King. Uh, I like this hand stuff. And you know how you tell it's a truly Stephen King movie? Because they will fuck up some kids. Oh my God! Kids get <laughs> de- decimated. Now, okay, let's go to the kids for a little bit. Um, I wasn't scared with these vampires. I wasn't scared at all in this movie. So, there and they're some- kind of like shine life shine force vampires. shine vampires yeah, yeah. They're shine vampires they don't turn into monsters until they die right but like i guess reveal their true form mm-hmm. but they just look like normal beautiful people <laughs> and like <laughs> <laughs> except for the one that looks like mark boone jr but anyway so because <laughs> he was the diddliest one of them he all. was he, he was the was, one that had the he had the man and everything no that so, and again that's not all right with me no it's <laughs> 
says they meet up and she goes my name is violet like the flower and she starts eating the flower and she goes these flowers are tasty you're not supposed to eat flowers yes i am um that was kind of scary when all the kids descend on that little girl. And, and there were some and very ominous shots when the, they would start gathering around mm-hmm. to, to in, ultimately in, ingest or whatever that is. Yeah. And there's that great overhead shot. But. But it wasn't. They weren't like, you know, menacing and terrifying. I think because like, oh, they're, they're, they're beautiful, you know. So like, I'm not going to be too scared. Plus, like, you know, I don't shine. But like. Fair. <laughs> so like. But the second time they kill that kid, they like captured the kid and they tortured the fuck out of this and kid. as it turns out either pain or fear makes they now what do they call it it's steam the, the steam yes mm-hmm. the steam more pure and delicious and it's they it's their torture life this their kid yes, yes. and because it's, when the old people die it's very thin their essence comes out yeah so they tortured this the fuck the, out of this little child just to get out of the all the steam the life force oh, that is fucked up and they descend on him it's it, it, rabid, rabid. And it's, again, it's something that they have to do to survive. In fact, they actually take in, there's multiple, like, there's various types of shines out mm-hmm. there. Now we find out, uh, we get to the scene where this girl is basically doing how to catch a predator on these guys and Stephen learning them King's in. hard candy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that a lot. But they take her in because of her ability. Yeah. Like she can suggest. She's they said a pusher. A pusher. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's interesting terminology. There's like seers who can like see from like GP, human mm-hmm. GPSs mm-hmm. basically. Um, then there's pushers who can influence and I guess shiners who can see the past. And it makes sense that they would have their own speak. Uh, the mm-hmm. terminology, the vernacular yeah. amongst a small group of people although it is hinted that a lot of people have the shine, but we just don't know it. It's almost like the force in a yeah. way. Some of us are more force sensitive than others. And she even says like, you know, back in the day before cell phones and everything, there's the shine was a lot Everywhere. brighter. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's Stephen King's little get off my lawn, right. but it kind of makes sense. You yeah. don't use your mind as much. Oh no, I will fully admit I am substantially more stupid Nine years ago than I was like nine years ago because of Thanks, social media. Yeah. And it's it's I it's not far off. That's another yeah. little critique I like with Mr. King there. Um where are we going with that? No, no. no it, but no, the, the, the brutality towards okay, children yes. in this movie was fucked up. Just a reminder that it is a Stephen King kid film. He will kill a kid and he'll do it brutally. But kids will fucking people up too. Yes, in fact, uh Abra in this film from the get-go, when she... She's delightful, even as a baby. She embraces the shine, and she actually... And I would love to see some of those little guys that hated The Last Jedi and hate Rey from you know Star Wars, but she can do so much with her shining that she's messing up Rose the Hat, who is apparently like a top-level vampire. vampire. Right? She's like the Jerry Dandridge of shine vampires, and yet this little girl is like... She's just like, holy from shit. From the get-go, but... Just fucking with her. They realize, though, that makes her more of, you know... Delicious. Yes. More delicacy. And then... But they don't know what they're going to do with her at first because there's a whole bunch. They're like, okay, we, if we can we can all share it. They're like, we can't all have this much power. We can make her in the we group. We can make her one of those. She goes, but she might take over, you know? So, like, what are we going to do? She goes, well, we can drain her for the rest of our lives. And I so, say we let her go. No! <laughs> 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 it, it plays menacingly, but it's interesting because you kind of see everyone forming their own little families as well. Yeah. To but, the point where there's some pathos to the vampires. You do feel bad for them because, well, even there's there's a couple mentions, there's a couple phrases in there where ultimately when she's, the, the blonde girl is being transformed and she's like, am I still human? And Rose the Hat says, does it matter? 
Yeah. Which I found that very interesting. And there was another line in here that was very, very similar. And I can't, I almost wrote it down because it was one of those things was like, ah, there's a little bit of a through line or no, it's again, yeah, it's if whether or not, if there's an afterlife or again, does it matter? Mm-hmm. It's like, does it matter? What does it matter? You know, what does being a human being matter? What does being an energy vampire matter? Just all these things come into play. I was just really taken yeah. aback by that all the mythos that they created the world that they built well and he gives it stephen king out of a haunted house hotel yes you know well let's get we let's go back to the overlook here it is another character in this film mm-hmm. it is it's a specter throughout and then we go back to it and you talk about a revenge film i mean he literally goes i have to go and like wake it up yeah at this point and i was wondering if that was going to take me out of the film like now we're really back in the shining me territory too. i was thinking because they're like i know where to go and i'm like they're going to the fucking overlook <laughs> bum, 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 <laughs> bum, bum, right and sure enough they did but i liked it that's just it i was actually kind of, well and the ulti- it makes sense it was like a big ghost trap yeah it yeah it's what the kill box mm-hmm. yeah the kill the kill box yeah, exactly we'll, we'll take a little parlance of our times there from a dark fate but we went we, we skipped over this little girl for a second she was just her shine just just every time that rose the hat was like you know what i got this i'm gonna oh. fuck with her and i'm gonna look where she's at she's like bitch please right because she was right there twice as strong and ready to like just pop it was great she didn't back down she no. was never afraid she was like i'm worried she was, but she was, she was a like, headstrong confident kid mm-hmm. which was actually refreshing to see she reached horror. out to danny yeah well, she's she's the one she's the glue of the film yeah and again she overpowers overshadows ian mcgregor which is not easy to do Mm-mm. although i will say ultimately of course there are consequences you know the fact that her father now is dead um she's going to be dealing with that kind of trauma she's going to be you know growing up as, with a single mom or you yeah. know a widowed mom so there's definitely some parallels between her and danny but then there's even the bit where she's still communicating with him at the end which i i really liked and i i'm glad they didn't do that kind of a cheap little I think it would have been a cop out of him actually, again, spoiler, surviving. Mm -hmm. And that it's just, again, that reassurance. Let's go, kid. I heard there's trouble at Salem's Lot. You know, and like the the Danny and the the second return. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but it could play into something like that where you can follow Abra now at this point, which. But the good thing is, like, at least her, at least her mom believes her. Yeah. Because even even when she wasn't 100 percent sure, she goes, hey, grandma's not sick. And she goes, is she going to be okay? Isn't thinking all right? And like, she's like, grandma will be fine. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't worry. Just it's, it's nice that there's, there is the acceptance mm-hmm. of it. Now there's, there's a lot going, like I said, there's a lot going on with this movie, but then the power of the shine itself, you know, like another th- thing that almost got me when Danny was talking about, you know, the last time I was here, things got really bad. And when my mom was going to go, I usually when people die, they got flies all over their face. And he goes, I can even look at her and she could tell. And I, that like so, broke my heart. And that's what really, oh, so this kind of a little personal story here, but that bit, what he was talking about, how he couldn't recognize her. And at the very end, before he died, you notice she was there. there. So my mom, when I was a mom, I was always a mama's boy, raised by my mom and my grandmother. I was always very close with them. So um, I don't know if I, I think I may have told this story before, but my mom contracted cancer when uh, in the midst of the operation, um, they messed up, made her a paraplegic. So for the last year of her life, she was in a wheelchair and just devolved, you know, to the point it was hard for me to recognize her. And that's one of those things in my mind, 
it's not necessarily flies per se, but it's just this person that wasn't my mom for yeah. that last year. And it's always harder for me to remember that. So when that moment happened, I was like, oh, right. fuck, even mentioned the word hospice, which I worked with, you know, shit, the night my mom, no, I did mention this before. If you go back to our Nerds and Nostalgia episode called We're Back, I talked about how we make weird relationship with films based on events that happen in your life. The night my mom passed, July 3rd, the originally I remember watching the original Evil Dead, and it took me a long time to go back to that film. So just those little things, but man, that moment when he talked about not recognizing her, yeah. but then seeing her at the end, right before he died, again, it was just kind of peaceful. Mm-hmm. You know, again, he let go of all the evil demons in his head, all in, the, in an interesting piece. It was almost like the purge button. Right. Like, just, exactly, it was. He's like, okay, I'm free. But it wasn't until he was about to die, die. did he finally, like, release, literally, and physically, yeah. release all of his demons and actually forgive himself, too. Yeah. You know? Well, in which case, he didn't basically lost himself, and there for a while, you get a bit of the parallel of the last bit of The Shining, mm-hmm. when he's then chasing her down with an axe, and... I was. I suppose those kind of parallels are gonna happen. Yeah. Again, it didn't totally take me out, but I'm like, uh, you know. I'll allow it. But I think thematically, it works. It makes sense. It yeah, does absolutely because very, very cylindrical. You yeah. know, all the cycles and stuff. This was extremely well done, and like to feel so much pathos and emotions in uh, a movie like this, like yeah. a Stephen King movie. Because like seriously, the, the the mortality thing is one thing that gets me. The whole mom thing is another thing that gets me. The whole like, what happens when we go is another thing. Of they, course. All these questions, you know, all the things that, that it deals with, it deals with it well and in like an intelligent way. I'm not saying this is like a super smart no, movie. No, but, but it's not like, hey, check it out, we're going to make a shiny movie. <laughs> it's not yeah. one of Stephen King's yokel characters. Right, you know, that right. No, other than, well, you know, after the fact that he almost died with the car accident, the fact that he is getting older, I think you'll see a lot of that reflected in his work. You know, the gun. What are we? What are we doing here? What yeah. is our life's worth? You know, with Stephen King, you know, he leaves behind a legacy, not only with his work, but with you know his little kid. Yeah, who is also genre of icon now. It's soon. unreal, and I love the fact that you know he changed his last name to separate himself from it. Man, but he's he still looks, turning into. Yeah, his. he does. Just like how Nicotero's Nick turning into George Romero, Joe Hill's turning into Stephen uh, King. He's going to scare the hell out of you soon. <laughs> well, I love the fact that for so many years now, Stephen King has been providing such great content for the mm-hmm. horror world and outside of the horror world. You know, he's the fact that Stephen King is the one that can bring the normies and the horror people together. I, yeah. There's a unifying thing in that, and I love that. And I talk about his legacy. I, we really need to appreciate him while he's still here. You know, the fact that he's out on Twitter all the time, I love that he's a beast he's on a, Twitter, oh, he's, man. He's he's, he's, a, he's a beast. He's phenomenal. That's he's, funny. When the president blocks you. <laughs> yes, I'm more of a Dean Coons fan myself. <laughs> but, I don't like him scary. <laughs> don't like him scary. <laughs> but it's, I'm just, I appreciate that. And I also appreciate that we have people that have grown up on his work. That, and does stuff with reverence. Yes. Because if they would have made like this, like Lawnmower Man or something, that would have been horseshit. Come on, now. You, that... you can't go wrong with sexy Jeff Fahey. <laughs> or I should say, transitioning special Jeff Fahey to <laughs> sexy Jeff Fahey. <laughs> to CGI Jeff Fahey. Uh, but like. No, it's. But, but between this, um, I even. I think we were the rare people that actually enjoyed the Pet Cemetery remake. I enjoyed the Pet Cemetery remake immensely. <laughs> but I think we're going to definitely get more adaptations. Um, hopefully this will definitely find an audience on home video. I know this will. 
I'm. I don't think it's a flop. I, no, I think I, enough people are going to see it where like they're going to like recommend anything. I'm going. I honestly, I'm going to go see it again. This is. A I good need. Movie. I need to. I need to. You know, unload some things here. I need to. You know, unload my baggage, right. if you will. Um, but no, I'm seek this one out. I highly, highly, highly recommend this one. Me too. The, the doctor. This is a. Uh, I would rank them high on whatever kind of a website that is like you know WebMD or whatever. <laughs> rate my rate my doctors. Rate I don't my know. Doc. Hotdocs.com. Hot, oh no, not the not the hot docs. <laughs> uh, but I believe then uh, this is going to be we're going to be next next week's episode is going to be our special Thanksgiving episode, mm-hmm. and we couldn't think of a better way to give thanks than to provide a commentary track for a film that. And honestly, you want to talk about therapy? Yeah, our commentary track. Woo! Pretty much, you need to sit on a couch because we're going to feast. On a little film called Blood Rage. But it's not cranberry sauce. It is not cranberry sauce. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. (laughs) 